This morning we are continuing our series called I'm Fine, Thanks. Uh, we're talking about mental illness. We're talking about anxiety and depression. Uh, last week, just a quick recap, we talked about the foundation for what we're basing everything that we believe on, which is that our God is bigger than what we're walking through. We will get through, but it takes Him. It takes Him. We have to lean on Him in order to get through. If you did not hear last week, you need to go back and listen to it online, it will, it will kind of lay the foundation again for what we're going to be talking about for the rest of this message. Um, today's message is entitled Rest. Uh, we're going to be in actually a lot of scripture. If you're going to turn to two, I would turn to these two, but we're going to be in several more than that that I will just read to you, uh, tell you what they are. This message is actually a two-part sermon. Um, which I don't normally do this, but this is a two-part message called rest. And here's the thing. I believe it's because there's two different realities when it comes to facing anxiety and depression. There's a spiritual aspect of anxiety and depression. But the problem is too often that's all we focus on is you just need to pray harder. You just need to sing louder. You just need to show up more. And then if, you, if you're still struggling, it's something that you're doing wrong. It's that you don't have enough faith. It's that, and I just want to tell you, that's wrong. That is, that is wrong. There are spiritual aspects to anxiety and to depression. There's also physical aspects to anxiety and to depression. It's not just a spiritual issue. We live in decaying bodies. We are human. We live in bodies that the moment you're born, you're actually already starting to die. The moment that you're born. Our bodies are always decaying. As part of that, there are things that will cause us to walk in more anxiety. And so what we're going to be talking about today, this morning, is a physical thing that we can change. Next week we're talking about a spiritual thing that we can change to address this. We need both. I believe right now more than ever the enemy is moving in the way of anxiety and depression. I believe more than ever he's moving in the way of anxiety. I'm going to read you some statistics that are going to blow you away. Studies show that right now, the United States of America is the most anxious nation in the world. By far, the most anxious nation. Five times more anxious than third world developing nations. What that means is there is people that have no shoes, that have no home, that have no food, that don't know what's coming next. And they have less anxiety than we do in America. There is something that's, that's wrong about that. It's because the enemy is really, really, really moving in the way of anxiety, in the way of depression. Studies show that Generation Z, this generation that's coming up right now, millennials, I think, I think millennials, no one really knows what that means. We just throw that term around, and it can mean anyone from like 5 to 50. Like, let's establish it. Generation Z is the generation that's right now being born all the way up to college. This is Generation Z, and that studies show that they are the most anxious generation that's ever existed, ever. There are people that have lived through the Great Depression, and studies show that these people are more anxious than those. There are people that lived through wars, World War I, World War II, and studies show that we are more anxious as a generation than any other in history. 75 to 90% of all doctor's visits are stress-related. 75 to 90% of all doctor's visits are stress-related. This is serious. This is a very serious thing, and the enemy is after your mind. He's after your mind, and the problem is 
we don't know how to address it, and so he's winning our mind. What we're doing in this series is taking our minds back. They've been stolen. Things have been perverted in our minds. We've lost our peace. We've lost our joy. We've lost our strength. We've lost our will. And we want to take those things back. We need to take this seriously. I want to tell you, you can be a Christian. If you hear one thing from me today, I want it to be this. Because this is being said, and it's wrong. People say that you can't be a Christian and have anxiety. You can't be a Christian and have depression. It shows that there's something you're lacking. You can be a Christian and have anxiety. I'm telling you right now. You can be a Christian and have anxiety. You can be a Christian and struggle with depression. I am a Christian who struggles with anxiety. I'm telling you right now. I am a Christian who struggles with anxiety. I told you all one time, and you all laughed. You thought I was joking, but I'm not. I can walk into a restaurant. I can be in Dallas-Fort Worth and walk. I don't know anyone in Dallas-Fort Worth. I mean, a lot of people, but not that you would just see them everywhere. And I could walk in, and I could see two people talking. And literally, my first thought is, they're talking about me. My first thought, I don't know these people from Adam. And my first thought is, they're talking about me. That's something I struggle with. I always think people are talking about me. Some of you that sit in here and chat with your partner, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, you want to say, look at this Bible verse, whatever. I will think that you're talking about me, guaranteed. Every time, I'm like, well, I'm doing something wrong. They're making fun of my shoes or my shirt or my hair. <laughs> it's just, I struggle with that. That's something genuinely that I struggle with. I struggle with numbers. So I have a, a business minor. I think about numbers all the time. I have a lot of business. When, there's, when we have a low week, people are out of town, people are on vacation, people are sick, whatever it is, I will sit and I'll look out and I'm thinking, I'm doing something wrong. That my first thought is, uh, what am I doing wrong that's making people not want to be here? What, what am I doing wrong that's making people go on vacation? I mean, <laughs> really, these are, these are thoughts that go through my head. I'm a Christian. I struggle with anxiety. You can be a Christian and struggle with anxiety, but there's a God that loves you so much and he wants you to be free from it. He does. And that's what we're talking about. It's okay. It's okay to struggle. We, I used to say, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not, to, to not stay not okay. Do you see what I'm saying? I think I said that backwards. But you get what I'm saying. We can't stay and be comfortable with not being okay. It's okay to admit, you know what, I'm not okay. But we don't want you to stay that way. We want you to grow and, and be okay. I'm going to be okay. This is something that a lot of us struggle with, and we need to take it seriously. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 4. These three verses are verses that we're going to be at several times. Uh, I will, it will probably be up there every single week for the next few weeks uh, because we're going to base a lot of what we're teaching on this. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is a very sweet verse, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I cannot stand reading this verse. <laughs> I'm telling you, it makes me mad. Because it's, it's 100% true. The Bible is 100% true. But I'm going to tell you something. When we read this verse, and it's just the only thing that we have going for us in the way of anxiety, it's too hard. It's not just that I read this verse, and suddenly, his peace, suddenly I'm just so free, and my mind is not bothering me anymore. Perfect. No. It's not that easy. I'm sorry. This is a battle. 
This is something that we have to take very, very seriously. God does have a peace that transcends all understanding, and he wants to give it to you, and he wants you to accept it, but it's not just that easy. There's things that we have to do in order to walk in that peace and things that we have to do in order to live out that peace on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Do you ever, like, say a word too many times and then you think, I don't even know that's a word anymore. (laughs) I do that with bubble gum all the time. I'll say bubble gum over and over again, and I'm like, wait, is it gubble bum? What is it? That was random. That was free. Y'all take that. Take that with you. God does have a peace that he wants to give to you, but it's not, it's not just that you can read enough. And, and you know what? The Lord is so powerful. He could snap his fingers and everything would change. But he wants to meet you in the middle of what you're fighting so that he can make himself great and he can show you his goodness and he can show you his faithfulness. So we've got to trust him and lean on some of the things that he says we need to do in order to get past this. Matthew chapter 11. Y'all already know I'm getting fired up. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm wearing long sleeves today. We're in trouble. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants us to rest. Rest sounds like the most amazing word on the face of this earth. I don't know if that's just me, but I long for rest. Physical rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest, relational rest. I long for rest. And I know I'm not the only one that wants that. Rest is something that we all crave, but we're not really sure exactly how do I get rest. And I believe a lack of rest is one of the things that causes anxiety the most in our lives. This is why this is a two-part series. I mean, two-part sermon. Today, we're going to talk about physical rest. What, what role does that play in our battle against anxiety? But there's a spiritual version of rest, resting in Christ, resting with Christ. And we're talking about that next week, so you really want to be here for that. But today, we're talking about physical rest. If you were here last Sunday night... Um, I mentioned this a little bit, and I'm going to mention it a little bit more today. 1 Kings 19, 3 through 4. Elijah um, has been doing what God has told him to do. He's been living out everything that God has told him. God's been showing up in miraculous ways in his life, like making birds bring him food. Really, really cool. I mean, I would love for a bird to, like, drop me off a steak dinner. Like, Like, thanks, thanks, bird. This is what's happening in Elijah's life. And then Elijah gets word that there's a king that's coming after him. And his whole army is coming after him. One dude. And there's a whole army coming after him. And verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. There's several mistakes that Elijah makes here in his battle with depression. I'm telling you, Elijah battled depression. Elijah loved the Lord and battled depression. You can be a Christian and still struggle, okay? He battled depression. He prayed that God would kill him. He said, Lord, I, I, I just need you to kill me. I can't do this anymore. He made several mistakes. We're going to talk about one of those today. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. The first common mistake that we make that is anxiety-causing is we run ourselves into the ground. 
run ourselves into the ground. I don't even have to explain that phrase, and people are nodding their heads like, yes, absolutely, I can think about ways in my life that I'm doing that. Running ourselves into the ground. Elijah, it says he ran to Beersheba. This is a distance of about 100 miles, okay? He ran for 100 miles. I, I promise you, I could not run for one mile, guaranteed. I, I can't. I am so out of shape, and, and I drink tea way too much. I could never do it. He's so scared, he runs for 100 miles straight. Literally, the other side of Beersheba is a body of water. He runs till he physically cannot run anymore. How often do we do this in our lives that we run and we run and we run and we continue to do things, continue to add things on, continue to make ourselves busy, and we run ourselves into the ground where we literally can't run anymore? I do this. I do this in my life. And the problem is it's almost a cycle because I have anxiety, and so I run and I run and I run and I run, but then me running causes me to have more anxiety which causes me to run and run and run and run. At some point, we've got to stop running, and we've got to fight this. We've got to stop running, trying to cover up what we're feeling, trying to cover up what we're walking through. We get busy. We fill our lives with things. There's times in my life, there's many, many seasons I can look at in my life, that I was sad or I was struggling, and so in response, I never gave myself a spare second to think about it. Anything I could do, I was doing. There was at one point, I had a full-time job, I had a part-time job, and I was a full-time student. That is a lot of running. (laughs) That is a lot of not resting. Some of you remember being in college. That's zero rest, along with a full-time job and a part-time job. And I was doing it because I was so sad. I was doing it because I felt like I, I couldn't get my mind in order. I couldn't think straight. We run ourselves into the ground, and it causes anxiety. We go too hard for too long. And the counter to running yourself into the ground is rest. The counter to running yourself into the ground is rest. In fact, this is so important. It's it's in the Ten Commandments. It's actually the longest commandment in the Ten Commandments. Jesus is talking about rest. Okay, real quick, let's do this. Old Testament. Sometimes I mention the Old Testament, and every time I do, people will literally, people will message me, well, the Old Testament is the Old Testament. We don't have to follow it. We don't have to follow it anymore. Well, here's the thing. Jesus did come, but he didn't come to replace the law and pretend that that didn't happen. He came to fulfill the law. He came to be the law. That doesn't mean it goes away. It means he's teaching us a new way of how to do it. And it means this. When we mess up, we're not killed anymore. He still lays out these these principles for us to follow. And the Ten Commandments are not really for him. It's for us. There's a blessing tied when we follow the Ten Commandments. It's not that he is made greater He's already the greatest that he can be. He is so great. It's not that his, his you know, heart gets a little bit bigger when we follow the Ten Commandments or his finger gets a little bit smaller. Whatever it is, it's that we can grow when we follow the Ten Commandments. It's for us. So we can still follow them, and it will enhance our relationship with God, but it will also enhance our relationship with others. Jesus came so that when we do mess these things up, and we will, you will today, I will today, <laughs> We probably already have since you walked in the room. We don't have to die for it anymore. Jesus already died. He already took it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. That is a weird verse, by the way. <laughs> I'm not even preaching about that, but if you have an alien in your gates, get him out. <laughs> All right, sorry. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Even God rested. I'm going to tell you something. We don't do the Ten Commandments to be saved. We do them to thrive. God, in thriving, made time to rest. God needed rest. I'm going to explain that here in a few minutes and what that means. But if God needed it, we need it. Most believers believe that we are supposed to keep nine of the Ten Commandments. We're, we're confident about the nine of the Ten Commandments. I'm not supposed to murder, not supposed to steal things, not supposed to covet, not supposed to use the Lord's name in vain. I'm not supposed to commit adultery. We think all these things. But then it comes to setting aside time to rest and we, we pretend that's not there. We like wipe that thing out. Like, I, I don't know that that's for me. Maybe that's Old Testament law. I'm telling you, we can't omit things. <laughs> we can't look at Scripture and the things we don't like, we just read over, pretend it's not there. There's a reason that he says it. There's something that we need to take from this. Jesus invites us to rest. Rest is a word that I don't think, again, I don't think we really understand, but we definitely understand the opposite of rest. I understand being weary. I understand being heavy laden. I understand not being able to think straight. I understand these things. And the opposite of that is rest, but that may not even be something that we've ever experienced. It may not even be something that I've ever walked in in a physical way. Have I ever rested? You know, you're supposed to get eight hours of sleep. I read a study that said almost 95% of people don't get eight hours of sleep. Eight hours of sleep. And we don't get, that means 16 hours of the day plus we're working. We're not resting. We don't understand what rest means. I have this book. It's called Anxious for Nothing. It is, some of you already started reading it. If you haven't, I've got lots and lots of copies. Please, please, please come talk to me after service. I want, I want you to have one. It's a very powerful book. It's called Anxious for Nothing. We're going to be taking some things, some principles out of it every once in a while. But one of the things that he says that this, it actually makes me laugh. He defines anxious. And he says it's a combination of angst and shus. Angst being a sense of unease. Shus being the noise I make at the end of walking up a flight of stairs when my heart beats fast and I run low on oxygen. I have to do that when I walk up these two stairs. But this is what he's saying. He's saying it's when we can't catch our breath because of the angst of life. I can't catch my breath. I can't, yes. I can't even get a measly one of those out because of the angst of life. This is what he defines as anxious. It literally makes us out of breath. And when I think, when we think of rest, we think of like a period in time of I rested then, you know, like vacation. I rested on vacation. And then we say things like, I need a vacation from my vacation because your vacation actually wasn't rest. We don't understand what rest is. Even in our rest, we're not resting. I'm going to tell you something. I used to think that one of the ways I rested was watching Texas Tech football. <laughs> Sun's up, guns up. 
The problem is, it is not rest when you are weeping and screaming at the TV. It's not. Okay? I don't find rest. I actually get mad. There is times, literally, there is times in the year I will have to delete sports apps from my phone because when I keep getting notifications, I get more and more sad. Literally. This, is ha- this happens in my life. Things that I thought I was resting in actually were causing me to not rest. And we do this so often in our lives, we really don't understand how to rest. And Jesus is not talking about a vacation. He's not talking about anything like that. not talking about watching Texas Tech football. He's talking about a way of life. Living from a posture of rest. Next week we're going to talk about what it looks like on a spiritual level. But this week we're going to talk about what it looks like on a physical level. Our minds can rest. Alright, here's point number one. That was a really long intro. Here we go. Point number one. There are reasons to rest. In the passage in Exodus, he's talking about six days of work, one day of rest. I want us to substitute the idea of work for anything that causes us to work. Okay, let me tell you something. Work is not just what you get paid for. Some of you need to say amen because you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have things in your life that are work that you're not having to punch in and punch out and you're not getting paid for. That's still work. Okay, it's not, I'm not just talking about your physical place that you work at the bank. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that cause you to work, the activities that are causing you to run yourself into the ground, that's what we're talking about is work. One of the reasons that God wants us to rest is so that he can provide for us supernaturally. If you've not read Exodus, you are missing out. It is a powerful, powerful book. <coughs> God tells him, hey, you need, to, you need to gather enough manna for one day. You know, every morning they're waking up, and food is falling from heaven. And he says, okay, gather enough for just today. Don't you dare gather what's for tomorrow. I need you to trust me. Gather just what's for today. And these people, even though their food is literally, this is like that time of Uber or whatever you call the food delivery place. That's what's happening to them. Food is for free coming from heaven. And they begin to not trust the Lord. And so they start gathering more than what they needed for that day. And what happens to that food It gets worms. It gets worms and it starts to mold because they gathered more because God is sitting here saying, I want to provide for you, but you only need to do enough for today. Tomorrow, I'm still going to send it. But when they didn't trust him, the food went bad. However, you can read just a couple of chapters later when they did trust him because it would come to the sixth day and it was time for a day of rest and he would say, okay, gather Two, two days worth of manna, and it didn't go bad. It didn't go bad. God supernaturally provided because they rested. He said, rest is this important. You have to have time to rest. And because of that, he was able to supernaturally provide. I want to talk about Chick-fil-A for a second. I love Chick-fil-A, okay? I'm very sad that this small town does not have Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I, would, I would pay thousands of dollars for that if we could all let's pitch together we're going to turn the fellowship hall (laughs) that's terrible okay yeah right see that's what I'm going to talk about Chick-fil-a is closed on Sundays okay they take a day to rest they want their people to go to church they want their people to rest did you know Chick-fil-a is five statistically speaking Five times, they make five times more money in six days 
than most fast food restaurants make in seven days. Sundays are the busiest eat-out day of the week. Chick-fil-A doesn't have it and still makes five times as much because the principle of rest is important. We talked about this kind of with tithing, that God can do more with my 90% than I could do with 100%. I'm telling you, God can bless you. He can provide for you more when you rest. And it's not, it's not about him. It's not that he's sitting up there and he's so mean that he's like just waiting for you to take that rest. It's about us. When we rest, we are open to him providing. When we rest, it causes us to trust him more with provision. Chick-fil-A. I always talk about Chick-fil-A in church. That's really good. One of the reasons that we don't rest is because we really want provision. We worry about provision. And it's not just about me. It's about others. I want the people around me to feel provided for. I want the people around me to be able to experience that. We, we want that. And that's not a bad thing to want. But the problem is, when you depend on yourself for provision, you will always fail you. You will always fail. But he says, you know what? Set aside some time to rest. And in that rest, I can show up. When you make room, I can show up. And what he provides is far more than anything than we could. It's part of the blessing. I want to tell you something. In Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments are repeated. Okay, I'm not going to read it to you. You can go find it later if you don't believe me. They're repeated in Deuteronomy 5. And he says, literally verbatim, when you don't rest, you have become a slave. If that doesn't paint a picture of our anxiety... When we don't rest, nothing will. We become slaves when we forget to make time to rest. Rest is important. It's important to depend on what God can do for us. Another reason is that it gives us an opportunity to be refreshed. Okay, Exodus 31 is talking about God, and He's finished, and He takes the seventh day to rest, and then it says, and be refreshed. And I said, and I thought, okay, our God is, you know, our God is so big. I always talk about this. He's so big and he's so strong. He's so mighty. Why does he have to be refreshed? The Bible says he doesn't sleep. Why is he having to be refreshed? That made no sense to me. I was like, that sounds kind of like a weakness. And so I looked up what the word refreshed means. And refreshed in the Hebrew means took breath. He took a breath. When we run ourselves into the ground, we don't make time to breathe. And I don't mean this on a, in a literal way, but I think there's many people in this room that sit and have times in our life where it feels like I can't catch a breath. I'm always going. I literally can't breathe. But when we take a day of rest, even God had to take a day of rest, and it allows us the opportunity to take Breath, that is powerful. That is a powerful picture of what being refreshed means. Running ourselves into the ground means I'm constantly breathing out. I'm constantly having to do this. I'm constantly having to do this. I'm constantly having to do this. But what happens is I will run out of breath. And that's when the anxiety kicks in. That's when anxiety kicks in, when I don't make time to breathe. Just a, just a breath. Just a breath. All right, number one, there are reasons. Number two, there are consequences when we don't rest. 
I'm going to read to you from Numbers chapter 15. I told you a lot of scripture. Sorry about this. While the Israelites were in the desert, a man was found gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. I want you to realize what this man is doing. He's gathering sticks. Why? Who knows? I have no idea. Any of you gather sticks for fun? No. He's gathering sticks. It's something minuscule. It's not like he's overworking himself. He's not doing anything like crazy. He's gathering sticks on the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. They kept him in custody because he was gathering sticks. (laughs) If we could go to jail for gathering sticks, wow. It seems like something's wrong. (laughs) Again, Jesus came. Jesus came, so we're not, it's not like when we mess up, when we gather sticks, you're not going to jail, you're not going to hell. It's not that. Jesus came so that when you do mess up, he paid the price. He already did it. But this man is held in custody because he was gathering sticks. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside of the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. Wow. Again, Jesus came so that when we mess up, he takes the punishment. And I don't think Jesus is saying, when you don't make time to rest, people are going to stone you. That's not what he's saying. I do think it paints a picture of one of the consequences when we don't rest. When we don't rest, we will die, but we're doing it to ourselves. Things in our life begin to die when we don't rest. Your joy can die when you don't take time to rest. Your strength can die when you don't take time to rest. Your peace can die when you don't take time to rest. And slowly, you can die when you don't take time to rest. Rest has, not resting has consequences. This will kill you. Are you putting yourself to death because you're not resting? Sometimes it feels like my mind can't go any further, like I'm struggling so much in my mind. I know I'm not the only one that feels like that. But he's saying, just rest. Rest. Take time to rest. Number one, there are reasons. Number two, there are consequences. Number three, there are blessings. In Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. It says this, One Sabbath, Jews, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick up heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of a really hard name, (laughs) the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful for only priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, watch this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. We have this perverted idea that God has all these laws and all these things that He wants us to follow, and He's just waiting to snap His fingers and knock us off the earth if we do something wrong. It's made for you. You weren't made because God needed somebody to fulfill this. The laws were made for you. So it could change the way you live and change the way you Thrive. So we often want to just survive in life, and God doesn't want us to just survive. He wants you to thrive in the way that you live, and that's why there's laws, and that's why there's rules, because there are blessings when we follow them. There's blessings when we follow 
what He asked us to do. And the Sabbath, the day of rest, was made for us. We weren't made for it. It was made for us. How do we rest? This is one of the most complicated things to discuss because we don't know how. Again, next week we're talking about spiritual rest. We're talking about what does it look like to rest in the presence of Jesus all the time. Today we're talking about physical rest. How do we do it? It starts with you setting aside specific time and actually doing it. But it's up to you. We can always find things to do, right? I'm just telling you, you can always find something to do. You can always find another thing to put in your schedule. I love when people say things like, well, I don't have enough time to rest. And then the the common cliche saying is, well, you have as much time as every other person. It's not that you have only 16 hours a day or you only have 18 hours a day. Everyone has the same amount of time. It's about prioritizing. You have to prioritize rest. Find things that will help you physically rest. Again, for me, it's not watching sports. I, get, I, I, I want to break TVs when I watch sports. I just, every team that I like is bad, okay? So I, that's not rest for me. What's rest for me? Bowling. I am a horrible bowler. I literally bowl granny style, okay? I'm a terrible bowler, but I rest when I'm doing it. Because I don't care what the score says. I'm going to get 20 points. It doesn't matter. But that's a place of rest for me. Sometimes family, when I spend time with family, that's a place of rest. When I have a meal with my family, that's a place of rest. Some of you, that's yours. We have to schedule and set aside time and prioritize rest in our lives. And the question is not, what do I do in order to rest? It's, what do I not do? That's what you have to think about. What do I not do? What's not going to help me rest? And don't do those things. I'm not saying you have to set aside four or five days a week. I'm saying set aside time to rest. We need to rest. What runs you into the ground? And do the exact opposite of that. I want to reread you something in Matthew. I just want to read it over you. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to rest. He says, come to me, rest. Rest is important, physical rest is important. Don't run yourself into the ground. Set aside time. Prioritize time. Let's fight this. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you, Lord. We're thankful that we can come in here and be open and honest and vulnerable. Uh, God, and I just pray that you would move. I pray that you would show us areas of our lives that we're not resting. Show us things that run us into the ground, Lord. And I just pray that you would give us the motivation to set aside time physical time to rest. Pray that that would be something that you continually bring to our mind today and this week. In Jesus' name, amen.